Hey friends, welcome to episode 79 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm Dara Swift and I'm thankful that you're listening in today. And Fierce Calling is part of the Spark Network, which is exciting. And we are now on the Edify app. So you can go to the Apple and Google Play stores and download the Edify app where you'll find this show and so many other amazing Christian podcasts. So be sure to check that out at the Apple or Google Play stores and download the Edify app. Today, my guest is Sarah Westfall. She shares with us how she found grace in an unexpected story that she never expected to tell. Because sometimes the stories that we think we're going to tell are not the ones that actually happen in our lives, in our faith, intersects with these stories that we would not have written for ourselves, but that God has a bigger plan for. And she's going to share how, even though she walked through indescribable pain with the devastating loss of her son um, and had a raw conversation with God to tell him that it's not her story and she wasn't going to want to tell this story and for him to please take it back. Um, it still became her deepest grace in that grief. So I know what she has to share will encourage, inspire, and challenge you. So listen in while I have a chat with Sarah Westfall. Welcome back to the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm excited for our show today. I have my friend with me, Sarah Westfall, and you are going to love her. She is a wife, a boy mom, she's a writer, a speaker, and she's the creator and contributor to the devotional Be Still, Leaning Into God When Everything Falls Apart, which is something I think we all need to grab. And she recently became the director of community for Hope Writers, which is super exciting. And I'm in Hope Writers and some of you listening may be as well. And I'm just looking forward to what God has for us in this show today. So welcome, Sarah. Thanks for being on. Thank you. I'm so, so excited to be here with you today. I love all that you are doing. And Hope Writers has been just amazing for writers. You know, being the director of community, I'm sure is an exciting new adventure for you. And there are a lot of pieces to your story, and I'm on your newsletter, so I get all the 411 on yeah. what's going on, everything Sarah Westfall. Uh, but I would love if you would share with us a little bit about your story and also how you're taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Yeah. Oh, man. Whenever somebody asks, you know, tell me about your story, I'm like, oh, my word, which chapter do you want out of this story right. or not my story right <laughs> or not my story yeah. yeah um you know i i feel like over the last my husband and i've been married about 17 years and so i feel like that was kind of a, a turning of chapters um we got married pretty young i had just turned 21 and so i I'm struggling, honestly, to remember life before him right now. We've been <laughs> together long enough and we're getting old enough that the the kind of before of getting married is a little bit cloudy <laughs> these days. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we've been married 17 years. And when we were, you know, it, we both were so young and we're still in college trying to figure things out. Both of us um, were in careers that 
Um, I was an English teacher right out of, of college and he was working as an audio engineer. And um, we just went through a season of, we kind of moved a lot and we, not because our jobs changed a lot, but we just kept finding different opportunities. And um, it's funny, I, that doesn't, that never was part of my personality. Like I'm one who loves consistency and I didn't like change, but there, it felt like there was this constant kind of stirring that kind of kept happening with us. And, um, you know, and then even more so when we had our first son and becoming a mom for me was like, I thought I was a good person before I had kids (laughs) and having another human being so fully dependent on me was, um, just so eye-opening to how selfish I was and how hard it was to, to really give myself to someone else to that level. And so again, that was a huge change. And I've, I had a really hard time adjusting to that. Um, so you're going to begin to kind of hear a cycle with my story here a little bit, but I think the big kind of shattering breaking apart for for me of thinking that I could have this control to thinking that I could have this sense of, you know, that, that I could do the right things, be the right person and get the right outcomes that I thought could have stability and this like easy quote unquote life. When we were pregnant for our second son, um, found out halfway through that pregnancy that he had never developed kidneys. And so we knew from that moment, from that diagnosis, that he would not be able to live um, after he was born. His body could not sustain life. And that was just, I always struggle to find the right words to say what that was, because it just felt like the floor had been ripped out from under me. And it was a season of just feeling like I am falling and falling and falling and grasping, trying to, again, gain the sense of control, gain the sense of who am I and who is God and all of the things that I thought I had done the right way didn't add up to the outcomes that, that I anticipated. And so, um, very, very reshaping of not only my faith, but my understanding of who I was and how, um, how I could live in my own skin almost. Um, and so our son passed away in February of 2011, um, over a decade now. And since then, you know, it's been a journey of re rewriting the story that I thought I would be telling, you know, I've always been a writer. I've always been um, one who processes life through words. And very early on, I was like, this is not my story. This is not the story I thought I would be telling. This is not the story I want to tell God, please take it back. (laughs) Um, You need to do have a redo on this. Um, But I think that out of that, you know, while I, I never, want to repeat 
the loss of my son. And I always want my son to be here every day. What has emerged out of that is so much grace. Um, I feel like God used that to break down so much of my misconceptions about who he was and who I was. And I had put him in such a box (laughs) and I feel like that really um, broke apart that box. And so what that has done is shifted my, my view of faith from something that I could control, something that I could um, manipulate and maneuver to something that is much more open-handed. And it's strange because even though I've walked through essentially my worst nightmare come true, um, I feel so much less fear now in the face of uncertainty, in the face of, well, what if, um, and not to say I still don't feel, feel anxiety about those things, but I know that God has been so present with me in my worst fears that he is helping me pursue him and look at faith in just a completely different way. Mm -hmm. Um, and one that is much, much less dependent on me. Mm. That's beautiful how you explain that. And I really feel like someone needed to hear that today. Mm -hmm. And just going through your story, because you actually have a blog post by that title, not my story, right? And I felt like the beauty of that was it, it went from, this can't be my story, God, this is not my story to this is not just my story that I can keep to myself. It's not my story to keep. It's my story to tell. So I thought that was just such a beautiful transition in the way you talk about grief and grace and how it kind of dances together. Um, Some of the things that I pulled, because, you know, just going through on your site and looking through how you share these types of things. um, I love some of these quotes. You said, grace doesn't always come in pretty packages. Sometimes it comes as a gift of brokenness. And I feel like that's kind of how you presented that moments ago in what you were sharing with us and how you also say that grief has become your deepest grace and um, that you want to glorify God in all of this and and you don't want to glorify the pain but because it was in the pain that I discovered the abundance of God it was here that he weaved his story into my own and it was in the bitter places that I tasted his goodness and that is a story worth telling Mm. so thank you for sharing your story because of the hard places you know that we um, experience but what your encouragement today is is that you felt God's grace and presence, even in the darkest time. Yeah. And I want to say too, for somebody who's listening and kind of is in just the, those throes of darkness that they just feel like there is no light (laughs) peeking in that window, that that was, that was gradual, um, Mm -hmm. of even coming to a point of, of speaking or writing, this hard part of our story out loud, like that was the process of years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, you know, we're, I'm 10 years out now. And so 
God has been very gracious to us in time, but that wasn't something necessarily in those raw stages that, that I felt very acutely. Like I, there once in a while I'll tell this story and somebody says, Oh, you were so brave. And I said, Oh no, no, (laughs) I was so desperate, you know? Um, And so I just want to make sure that it, it wasn't something that I want people to know, like it wasn't immediate. It wasn't something, most of it was not something that I did intentionally. It was just God's gracious presence and staying with me in the midst of all of that. Um, That's what made all the difference. Yeah. When you were in the beginning of the stages of grief or however they kind of explain that because I know it's not the same for everybody and it's not the same length of time for everybody. There's no formula for it. But I would think that you would sometimes not remember all of the things that people did for you around that time. But looking back, are there certain things that really stand out to you that God has brought back to your remembrance that really bless you? Oh, this part has shifted so much of, of my story because I went from being someone who was insanely independent and didn't really allow myself to need other people outside of perhaps my husband. Um, and in that season, I, I just literally, there were so many things I could not do for myself, even taking care of our oldest son, who was a toddler at the time, Um, there were so many days where I just couldn't. And so ways that people stepped in, I mean, from the, from the day of the first diagnosis, we had just messages from people on, on Facebook or letters that showed up in our mail, um, people reaching out with their words, but also, you know, meals, um, I had a friend, Rachel, who would, lived in my neighborhood and she would come over and just sit with me and we'd drink coffee and we'd have really, she'd ask good questions without like, they weren't leading questions. She just really wanted to know how I was doing and allowed me to really say the ugly parts of how I was doing. Mm. Um, I had a couple other friends who like gave me jewelry with my son's name on it, with Carter's name on it. And Mm. that acknowledgement that his life had value and that his life had weight and giving me these tangible things to represent that was huge Mm. for me. And, um, you know, sometimes we laugh in church communities about, you know, the casseroles that begin to, to show up when somebody is sick or, has experienced grief or has a baby or those kind of things. But my goodness, like I will not downplay those casseroles for one moment because there was so much love in each and every dish that was brought through our door. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the reality was I could not, I could not even think to to plan a menu during those seasons so that the, the food just showed up and that all I had to do was like heat it up a little bit sometimes was, was just huge. And so people being physically present, um, in being coming into our house or dropping things off or helping us with our son 
And then also just sometimes even just saying, I don't know what to say, but I hurt with you. That in and of itself was so healing for people to just sit with me in that, in that suffering, in that rawness of my grief and to make space for that. Like that ministry of presence, just being there and not overthinking things. I think sometimes we overthink things and we want to be helpful, but we wind up doing things that aren't really that helpful. So it is nice to, um, just allow the Lord to lead us into whatever he's calling us to do to minister to someone who's going through such a painful time, a painful season. Yeah. And I know it can be so hard because in situations that are complicated, it's hard for people to know what to do or to say, Mm -hmm. I still feel that I've walked with grief for 10 years. And Mm -hmm. so often I've had friends who've experienced something and I still have to like urge myself along to, to be there and to show up because it's not natural all the time. And it's awkward, but I think that it is always better to, to show up and to try, or to just say, I don't know what to do here. And I'm so sorry. Or even if it's, if it is too much, just saying like, Hey, this feels like a lot. And I want to be there for you, but I'm having a hard time with that. Putting words to what we're experiencing in the midst of each other's grief instead of letting, because I think what happens is sometimes when it's silent, when we say nothing, what we do is that we fill in those gaps with our own narratives, which or assumptions or what we think might be happening. Mm. And that can also create a lot of additional pain for people. And so, in, in my perspective, it's always better to fumble through and try to say something than saying nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how you were saying just to say, I don't really know what to do or what to say, because that's just being honest. And, you know, especially as women, we always feel like we want to fix everything, but there's, I mean, we can't fix things, you know? And so I, I just take comfort in knowing that even making a casserole, because sometimes when you're doing that for someone, you're thinking, oh, this is all I have to offer. But on the other end, it's an amazing thing to offer. It is. It's so much. I mean, it's the most basic thing. One of the most basic things about being human is that we need to eat and to be able to share that most basic need with with another person like that is a big deal. That's a huge deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to be a, a chef or like an amazing cook. Just make something that you would make for your own family and make extra or, you know. So I, I think that it's so important to bring out the fact that, like you were saying, we have physical needs as as much as we also need emotional and spiritual needs and just how often you know, Jesus was that way, you know, it was like physical needs. And then let's get to the heart of what we really need to talk about too, you know, for spiritually, you know, the kingdom of God and, and those kind of things. Um, but he really, I mean, he knew he, 
wanted to feed people too. You know, it's like these people are hungry. They've been hanging out all day. They need to eat. So um, it's just so sweet, uh, a connection of the bread of life, wanting to give us bread physically too. And um, so that is amazing. And I know that you had a podcast for a while and it was a very popular podcast and it was also called Not My Story. When we were talking earlier about my, Not My Story, I think the listeners will kind of get a little more and more of what that really means. And so if you could talk a little bit about what that was, because you allowed other people to share their stories too, and then how it's something you felt led to move on from. So could you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Not my story um, was definitely birthed out of that moment in the hospital when I, I told God this was not this is not my story. Um, and yes, I did tell God. We had kind of that raw, uncensored conversation in that moment. Um, and the whole podcast was conversations about this intersection between faith and the unexpected of of life not going how we thought it might be going. And so, you know, there are so many different things in life that don't turn out as expected, whether that is um, we're single and we thought we would be married or we thought we would be at this point in our career and we're still trying to figure things out in our 40s or whatever that might look like. Some of it was tragedy. Some of it was um, just you know, like the circumstances that you're in right now of thinking, this is not how I thought I would be at this stage. And the, the reason that I even started the podcast is that because in my own experience, and I've shared some of this already is that what happened in the midst of that unexpected thing of that shattering of my own expectations is that what I found at the end of myself was something so much more that that all of the the hollowness that I initially felt in the, in all of my expectations being swept away, that God began to fill in those gaps um, with something even more and something even better. And I wondered, is this the same for other people? You know, what else does God do in these unexpected places? Mm -hmm. And so really, I just was able to have a lot of conversations with some amazing guests. Every, I feel like every one of those conversations was sacred and we just explored what it, what happened when your story didn't go as planned and how did that shape your relationship with God? So those were the, that's the basic gist of what that podcast was. And we did it for about. I say we, because my husband helped produce and edit, um, for about a year and a half and it was going really well and I was loving it. But over the summer, um, just really sensed that I needed to take a step back from everything I was doing, podcast writing, um, some local, you know, women's ministry things that I was doing with my church and saying, okay, God, I'm going to put everything out on the table here. And I'm not going to pick anything back up unless you make it obvious that I need to pick it back up. And about that time, um, some things were changing that there became this opportunity for me to step into the director of community role with Hope Writers. And I knew God was saying, 
pick that up. <laughs> so I picked that up. And as I did that, um, I realized for the sake of my family and for the sake of my own like soul space, like I'm not one who can just cram a lot of activities and things in. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew that I needed to step back from the podcast, that that was something that had to remain on the table. And that was kind of hard at first because it was something that I loved. I loved having those conversations. I loved um, bearing witness to other people's stories, but I knew that it was the thing to go. Um, and so we finished up the podcast really just a few weeks ago. Mm. And, um, even though I miss it to a degree, there's also been such freedom and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make a lot of rational sense why I would have walked away from it because Mm -hmm. I am a writer. I have books that I someday want to write and have published. And sometimes in order to get those books published, you need to have people who you're engaging with in the world. (laughs) And the podcast was one way for me to do that. Um, but I just knew that that was the right call for this season Mm -hmm. and allowing myself to say, okay, maybe this path to publishing is going to look different from me. Maybe one plus one is not going to equal two. Maybe it's going to be one plus six equals two, which I realize is not the right math. (laughs) (laughs) I know enough math to know that's not the right math, but maybe (laughs) that's what's going to happen. And so it's funny because I just feel like I've made this series of irrational from the world's perspective choices, but I have never felt so content with my writing, with the, my dreams and with my relationship with God and my family. Um, then I, I feel more content now than I have probably in a couple of years, to be honest with you. I love that. And I love how you were talking about how you're doing things that don't make sense to the world because your podcast was like in the top 2% of all 2 million something podcasts in the world. So from the world's perspective, it would be, you know, you keep striving and, you know, doing what's going well and in kingdom work and in God's kingdom, um, it's not the same. And And I love that because it's just such a sweet picture of surrender, even knowing that, like you were mentioning, the path to publishing, because platform is a very big part of that. And knowing that you're going to just do what God's calling you to do and be obedient to him and that trusting that he is going to make whatever is to come happen in his timing and his ways are higher. So I, that is so encouraging for us to hear today because there are things in our lives that we feel like, well, I don't think God would want me to lay this down. It's a good thing, but he does call us away from good things. And sometimes he does that because he has someone else that is going to take on that particular space. And like you were talking about how the podcast was talking into the stories of people where God shows up and what does he do in those unexpected places and feeling like that served a purpose for the time that he had it there. And um, because it it is hard to know what to do because sometimes we feel blindsided by things that happen to us in life. And 
you know, and it's just a realization that we're not in control, you know, and surrendering control to the one who is, is what we we do. So I love that. And another thing I really, really just felt such peace when you use the term soul space, that would be a good title for a book. (laughs) Soul space. (laughs) Yeah, write that down. Uh, But yeah, I really feel like the peace just comes through when you talk about that, when you talk about this is what's giving me peace and this is life giving to me. I know Emily B. Freeman talks about that on her podcast. You know, what is life giving? You know, what, what we need to do right now. And I just love that idea of soul space and kind of similar to how someone would use the term self-care, but I really feel like, you know, just feeding our soul and doing what he's calling us to do we just have that peace and I can just tell from how you're talking about that. And so Mm -hmm. it's amazing. And um, so as the director of community, what do you do? (laughs) Well, I, you know, it is so funny to me because I have always had professionally my feet kind of in two worlds Mm -hmm. Um, in the world. Like I have my master's degree in student development counseling. And so I worked in higher ed for a lot of years Um, in programming and student life. And then I had my other foot in the world of publishing. Um, I worked in-house with pub as an editor doing freelancing for a number of years, but it never felt like those two worlds would intersect. Mm. And they have in this, in this role that I never saw coming. So I, I get to help foster community and a sense of belonging and encourage writers in their progress. I lead a team who helps do that um, within Hope Writers, while at the same time, but it's with a group of writers, which is writing and words are one of my favorite topics that I could talk about probably ad nauseum. (laughs) It's one of the few things that if if you get me going, will be hard to slow down that train. Mm -hmm. Um, And so really the big picture is just helping writers find their place within the larger community of getting connected and encouraging them in their progress as writers. So that that's big picture of what I get to do. And there's a lot of little ways we do that, but um, yeah, it is, it is a very exciting role that I just could not have even created for myself. And I'm just abundantly grateful for it. That is an exciting job description. And it's so cool how God wrote that job for you. Like the description, he had been equipping you to step into this role long, long ago. And it is really so precious how we can look back and see how God has used all of our experiences and the things that he has allowed us to walk through and education and whatever else that he has graciously provided for us in order for us to step into what he's calling us to do either at that time or sometime down the road that we have no idea. I just love how so often when I talk with women on the show, it's like, I'm doing something I've never aspired to do, you know, something that they had no idea was coming. So those are some of the good things that we have no idea (laughs) that are coming, you know, the blessings from him that he just, you know, says, Hey, I've got this job. And I think you're the girl for the job. (laughs) Right. Well, and it's so crazy. You know, if, if I go back to like what I was saying at the beginning of my story of feeling a little bit like, you know, we were, we were moving around and I had these kind of weird collection of jobs 
Um, and for a long time, I really felt like I was a gypsy. <laughs> like I didn't <laughs> want to share my resume with other people because it's mm-hmm. like these all together don't exactly make sense. Mm-hmm. And there was one of one of the guests on my own podcast, John Blaze, said something once that just continues to like echo in my mind with all of this. He said, you know, looking back, it's it's all essential. Mm-hmm. Like we may not always see how essential it is. This is my part now. We may not always see how essential it all is, but it is. And we can trust that it all grows and it all builds and um, that nothing, you know, that that term nothing is wasted. You know, that is not my term. That is a lot of people use that. (laughs) that But like, I just so, so believe that. And so for anyone else who's like, I have, I'm holding all these puzzle pieces that do not seem to fit together. You might be surprised somewhere down the road how those might make this beautiful puzzle that you never quite could have created for yourself. Yeah, that's so beautiful. It just makes me think of, you know, God is holding the box, the puzzle box, you know, with the photo on the front that tells you like, this is what it's going to look like when all the pieces come together. And so I think that's really sweet to think of it that way. And just by you mentioning things that you took away from your podcast, it just shows that it was a time of refreshment for you and a time that you will take with you going forward, you know, because it might have physically ended, you know, you might not be recording any longer, but those episodes were meaningful. You know, he had said that everything has a purpose, you know, and so um, it was essential that you had the podcast. (laughs) Right. I know my husband and I joke around. We're like, even if it was really just for us and it was soul shaping for us, like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. God's like, you're welcome. Right. Cause there were so many conversations that it was like, that really hit me at a needed moment Mm -hmm. and in, you know, in a season that I needed to hear those things. And so God is just so faithful and so kind in meeting us in those down in the details of our lives. Mm, that is a good word right there. So this has been so amazing. Sarah, I so appreciate you coming on and I would love if you could share how the listener can connect with you and find you. Yeah, the best place to probably do that is through my newsletter, The Shelf. Um, It goes out once a (laughs) (laughs) month-ish. And you can subscribe to that at Sarah, that's Sarah with an H, eWestwall.com. And that's just where I write once a month, kind of a little bit more personal, um, a letter kind of all my writing is themed around curiosity, compassion, and connection. Mm. So it'll be toward those themes and then offering some resources, things that I've been listening to or reading or good friends to follow things like that. So that's, that's my favorite place to connect, but I'm also on Instagram if you want to find me there. That's amazing. And I love how you said uh, curiosity, compassion, and connection. Mm-hmm. Love those words. I know. It's very <laughs> like pastoral slash the alliteration. You know, they have to have their three points. And yep. I didn't intend to do that. It just it just happened. So. Yeah. And you're like an English major and all of that. So right <laughs> it kind of comes out so I love that well thank you again and I hope to have you on again sometime down the road however long that. God has this podcast going <laughs> yeah yeah you know? no and thank you for the work that you're doing I think um, it is so encouraging to have these conversations and so I, I'm grateful for people like you who create a space to do that 
Um, well, thank you. That really blesses me. And just, you know, we just do things to glorify God and honor him with our stories, the ones that he, you know, he allows us to walk in and through and with him right there with us. So thank you, Sarah. I appreciate you being on. And this has just been amazing. And I will talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening today. And I hope this episode with Sarah and the conversation blessed you. And friend, if you're going through a difficult season or have experienced something really, really difficult and devastating, uh, I pray that this episode uh, helped encourage you and to let you know the Lord is there and the Lord is with you and that he can bring peace and he wants you to have a raw conversation with him about what you're feeling because he already knows. Also, it was so helpful to hear what truly blessed Sarah in those days. She just couldn't make a meal, but just heating one up, those casseroles are a blessing. So keep making them friends. Even when you think it's not doing much, it is doing so much. And how she said she loved when people would just say, I don't know what to say, but I just hurt with you. And that is so helpful because sometimes we just don't know what to say. And instead of avoiding people who are hurting, we can be there and just be present for them. So friend, um, I am so thankful for you. And don't forget that you can uh, download the Edify app at the Apple or Google Play stores and listen to other amazing Christian podcasts on that Edify app. So blessed to be a part of that. And I hope you join me next time when I talk with another woman who's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.